the wild, there is no health care. In the wild, health care is, ow, I hurt my leg, I can't run, a lion eats me, and I'm dead. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. Hey friends, it's your weekly input switch. It's Friday, September twenty second, two thousand seventeen, and we've got a uh, got a good dock of stories for you guys. We are going to be talking about the Graham Cassidy healthcare bill uh, that is potentially moving through the Senate. Uh, All Father McCain uh, seems to have a problem with it, though, so it uh, looks like that might not be might not be ultimately successful so we're going to go through that and talk about uh talk about how Wait, that's did you just call him the all father yeah the all father mccain oh um, man that's my new theory on mccain is that he is actually yeah. all father odin and uh he okay. is uh you've you've read uh and i'm sure our listeners have read american gods and are familiar with wednesday and his uh his manifestation of odin in america and that is basically yeah, yeah, mccain yeah. because i don't I know like any, all right I don't have any other explanation for like how a being that's like composed of like like seventy five percent pure evil, twenty five percent denture cream, um, has been able to survive for so long. And my theory is that he is actually a manifestation of one of the ancient Norse gods, and that's why he is still with us. So all all <laughs> things that pass through the Senate are subject to his approval. And it looks like he's not happy. I like it. About the, yeah, he's uh, not happy. Sorry, uh, continue on with the rundown. <laughs> Cassidy. So um, we are also going to be talking about Jimmy Kimmel, hashtag resistance, hashtag yes queen, um, and his response to Bill Cassidy, who um, we are going to be talking about in this podcast preemptively. Um, as long as you're not driving, make sure you pull up a image uh, Google image shirts of Bill Cassidy so that you have that on deck for when we talk about Bill Cassidy because as yeah, always definitely. it is very important that you know that like that you have an understanding of what these people look like before we start talking about them because it, it is a component um, so we're going to be talking about that Jimmy Kimmel's got a little bit of a history with Bill Cassidy and um, we're going to go through how how Jimmy Kimmel join the resistance and um in all seriousness i think is is actually a valuable uh figure in uh our current political climate and like why uh kimmel who who we've actually criticized before um we talked about when his first uh when he he made his first foray into sort of healthcare and politics and what the problems were with that? Why that's actually uh, why that actually might be a positive thing, and, and where where there might be some some usefulness and some um, some utility for someone like Jimmy Kimmel. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump giving a speech to the UN, uh, making explicit threats to another sovereign state uh, that uh, ostensibly, like, I mean, there's not really any. Uh, any clear like mission parameters for what would prevent Trump from like nuking a country uh, and destroying everyone who lives there. But that's what he's promised to do if uh, 
uh, Kim Jong-un doesn't, I don't know, be nice to him, I guess. I'm not really sure. So Send him flowers? I'm not sure. Yeah, just like just like tweet like honestly, in my opinion, like if Kim Jong Un like got on Twitter and like tweeted out a gif of like a CNN reporter getting owned, like Trump would all like he would push for like an alliance with North Korea. Like yeah. that's all that um, really he needs so. is like if if Kim Jong Un like came out against um like libtards. I think I think Trump would be like completely. What if he What if he follow Fridays him? You know, like drops him in the follow Friday. That's pretty. Hell big. yeah, it's a pretty big shout out. Yeah, I, mean, I you know I think that's like that's all that's necessary is like Trump's entire uh, like motivating um, like animating aspects are completely a function of his racism and his narcissism. So as long as Kim can like tweet out something that's derogatory about like Nancy Pelosi and CNN, I, I think we could we could actually fix this thing so if the left has any good hackers i know they're mostly on the right but if the left has any good hackers if we can make like a fake kim jong-un twitter and just like at donald trump um some kind of gif of like cnn getting run over by a train i think we could we could basically solve this international crisis (laughs) but we'll get into that so, uh, but let's start with like what kind of uh, what's going on. We're we're a week we're a week late, sort of. We took a week off. It's been a really busy time for us last two weeks. And as you know, uh, Adam and I both have uh, both have jobs, both have full time jobs and uh, and lives we have to deal with. So this this podcast is something we're doing in our free time, and we just we just weren't able to make it work. We weren't able to uh, make ends meet last week so we are coming at you this week this podcast is going to be good enough for two weeks though we are going to uh we're going to put on a really good show for you guys today so how about you though how are you doing i mean how's uh how's ohio things you know things are good no hurricanes up here uh i spent uh last week building a retaining wall for my garden um at request of my wife and it was just one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my entire life. That's over now. Um, and I'm happy about that being over. It and sounds then, like a bummer. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was terrible. Just imagine uh, spending an afternoon digging a trench and then filling that trench with 30-pound blocks. And, you know, that's about it. Um, you know, so... Do you ever think about, uh, like, how things- poorly we would have fared if, like, we were involved in World War II? Like... Just, Yeah. Not good at all. We right? would have been this, terrible. Because, yeah. like, digging a trench terrible. and, like, filling it with stuff was, like, like a Tuesday for those people. We would yeah, not I have mean, been good in that conflict. We are just not but you know what? emotionally you know what, prepared Will? for that. I'm feeling good because it's Friday now, and we are on Hell the yeah. uh, precipice of the weekend. Hell and yeah. I actually spent my Friday afternoon uh, arguing with my grandmother about Social Security. So... It doesn't, you know, like this is a great start to my weekend, setting grandma straight about uh, her her misconceptions about Social Security. Did you show her and, the Social Security uh, trust fund report? Is that how it worked? Yeah, it was one of those. So I had to had to go over, um, you know, why funds aren't actually diverted away from Social Security, though she thinks they are. And, uh, you know, it was one of those chain emails, Will. There's already a Snopes oh, article hell yeah. about okay. it. Okay, actually, let's let's do that. And what was the chain email? Because I'm curious about this. 
Oh man, um, it was. Let me let me pull it up for okay, you. Actually, quick, my first yeah. question is like, okay, like I've be, I've come to expect from most chain, chain emails from like the conservative wing of my family, which is all of my family, is that they are always. First of all, they've been forwarded multiple times, right? So like, you've got to sort of scroll yeah. through, like, like yeah, a, you've got to scroll. I had to scroll down a good deal. But the best part about them is always like what like bizarre, insane person decided on the font for the email. So like, whenever I get them, like yeah, it's always we like did have that too. It's like Comic Sans or like, like yeah, Comic Sans. Red. Yeah, hell yeah. No, I, I got it here though for us, and uh, I think it's a fairly common one because oh, when this. I. When I did some fact checking, uh, there were a number of articles about it, but uh, it it goes on and on about Social Security, and uh, then it says, uh, "Let's." It asks these questions about Social Security, or it it, it points out these facts, uh, facts in air quotes. Uh, yeah. um, Franklin Roosevelt, a Democrat, introduced Social Security. He promised <laughs> the participation in the program would be completely voluntary. Then below that, in all red caps letters, no longer voluntary. <laughs> the participants would only have to pay 1% of the first $1,400 of their annual income in the program. All below that in red caps, now 7.65% on the first 90000 Jesus, what is this country the money, become? The, the money the participants elected to put into the program would be deductible from their income for tax purposes each year. All red caps, no longer tax deductible. The money the participants put second. into the independent like, trust fund. What's that? Hasn't yeah, these al- are all false, by the way. Yeah, hasn't it always so, been a tax? Um, like, it's always been... Social Security has always been sort of funded by tax dollars. Like, that you pay yeah, into it and so, then you take it out when you retire. Like, why would it be tax deductible? Uh, f- for those unaware, uh, the program has always... It's never been voluntary. It's always been a tax that you've had to pay if you were working. Right. Um, the like, 1% the 401k of the 1400 yeah, exactly. Uh, the one percent of the fourteen hundred is close to right. It was one percent of three thousand, um, with a scheduled increase to increase throughout the years. They were just off by a hundred percent. That's cool. It it was it was never like tax deductible. That doesn't even make a ton of <laughs> right. sense since it's a tax that you pay. Um, <laughs> then there's of course the money the money the participants put into the independent trust fund rather than a general operating fund and therefore would only be used to fund Social Security retirement program and no other government program. And under Johnson, the money was moved to a general fund and spent. Uh, That's, of course, 100% false. Um, The annuity payments to the retirees would never be taxed as income. Um, That was, they've, they've, uh, well, they weren't never taxed. I think at the start they weren't taxed, but uh, it wasn't something that was ever promised. What's like um, the, always. is there a point to this? Like, do they, is the, is the email in favor of getting rid of social security or privatizing it? So, Will, they give you all these facts. Okay. We just read through the, the, the air quote facts. So they drop they knowledge. Some questions. They ask you some questions, Will. And they want to see, you know, how critical of a reader you are of this email. Okay. Uh, which political party <laughs> took Social Security from independent trust fund and put it into general funds so that Congress could spend it? Democrats. Oh, hell yeah. Which Democrats. political party <laughs> eliminated the income tax deduction for Social Security withholding? Democrats. <laughs> which political party started taxing Social Security annuities? The Democrats. <laughs> This is what I find. I this love one, this stuff. This is like this is like Dinesh D'Souza. This is like classic stuff because it's always like, like, I, like let's not talk about like the the 
objective realities of today but like let's talk about like what the political parties did like 60 years ago when they were unrecognizable from today like well like which party like, was in favor of slavery the democrats granted yeah, it was like, 70 years in this ago. case all of the things that they state in the email are range from like blatantly false to like 75 percent false like th- it's almost all incorrect so it's not even um you know, it's not even like the Democrats did bad things. It's it's just that it's all really wrong. And uh, well, this is why I mean, correct. We, we know this, right? I mean, this is why the right is so stupid is because like you just read me like so many, you know, of these facts and like the information from the email and like you didn't mention it, but I can almost guess just off the top of my head. Not I've never seen the email. It's totally impromptu. Um, I guarantee you this email didn't contain a single Verit authentication code. Not one authentication code to confirm that any of these facts are real. So, Will, I spent my afternoon, I spent about 30 minutes um, just doing a little bit of research and uh, dropped an email back, which I'm not going to read in its entirety because it's really long, (laughs) but I want to just tell you how it um, Just tell me first. How it starts Tell me that you replied all. No, I didn't. Um, But it does say, it says, hey, Grandma, (laughs) you seem really interested in this stuff (laughs) because you forwarded me this insightful email. I took a look at it and noticed there was a lot of misinformation in the email. If you're curious, I've done a good rundown of all the questions and also corrected the answers. And then uh, I went through each question and uh, provided the <laughs> factual answer along with a, a, uh, a source. And then at the end, I said, hope you found this as interesting as I did. Can't wait to see you at the birthday party tomorrow. <laughs> Love, Adam. I'm not, I'm not making this up, right. guys. This is a real email Folks, this that is, I sent. <laughs> you need to understand this. If you want to win in 2018, if you want to take back the House and the Senate... Y'all need to start correcting your grandmas. This is the key. I mean, put grandma in her place. This right? is the yeah. <laughs> this is the grandma smackdowns are the key to taking back Congress. If you don't understand that, there's no reason for you to listen to this podcast. So yeah, I um, I sent that a while ago. She hasn't responded. That's so. awesome though. I I think most of my family's giving up on or has given up on sending me um like chain emails from my uncle's golfing buddies um that are like about most i just think they're like embarrassed now because like i remember when i used to get them all of them were like you'll never believe how much obama spent on this golfing trip and now like obviously they have to like eject that that principle because of like just the insane amount of money that trump spends like every single weekend when he goes to mar-a-lago um, yeah they can't really bring up the golfing <laughs> The golfing thing is um, is not as applicable anymore because, like, uh, Trump obviously spends more because he has to, you know, like, his golfing trips just cost more money. Like, I don't know if – I'm sure some of our listeners have seen the movie 300, but um, if you remember the scene where, like, God King Xerxes is carried by a retinue of slaves on a giant throne. Where are you going with this? This is actually how Trump spends his golfing trips. Um, he, like – the, the golf carts are not able to accommodate his mass, and so he actually has a throne that is carried along um, by the, by the Secret Service, and uh, that's obviously that's time and a half. So 
that's why these uh, these trips oh. cost so much more money. But um, oh my god, let's get into the stories. Right. Let's get into the, the take us into the real stories this week. I, I think people are sick of uh, hearing um, about my grandma's emails. Hearing about like real legitimate strategies for defeating Republicans. I don't think so, but um, we Uh-oh. have spent a lot of right. time on it. But uh, let's go into um, let's talk about uh, Trump's speech to the UN and how yeah there's some good stuff here yeah so like as we all know like trump's totally regular he's a regular guy he's a normal person and um doesn't have holes in his brain or anything and so he gave a speech to the un and uh what featured prominently in this speech is trump's response to or his, his sort of like he's calling out north korea right he's this is like his diss track on kim jong-un and like how he's how he's prepared to deal with uh, with North Korea on a uh, a national public stage. So, I think we have some sound of this, right? Yeah, I let's, I think I think I got some sound here. Let me pull it. Let's up play for some you sound of like gonna, so like just to set this gonna, up. This is Donald Trump speaking to the the UN uh, General Council, and uh, he's he's referencing how uh, uh, what what he feels about Kim Jong Un, how we should deal with. Uh, the the threat of North Korea and uh, yeah I I think I got it for us right here let's, Will. let's have a listen gonna be a long long time touchdown brings me around and get to find I'm not the man they think I am at home no 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 oh oh I think that's sorry that that's not the right hold on that was close Oops, got the wrong one there Will we got kind of close let's try again has shown more contempt for other nations and for the well-being of their own people than the depraved regime in North Korea. It is responsible for the starvation deaths of millions of North Koreans and for the imprisonment, torture, killing, and oppression of countless more. We were all witness to the regime's deadly abuse when an innocent American college student, Otto Warmbier, was returned to America only to die a few days later. We saw it in the assassination of the dictator's brother using banned nerve agents in an international airport. We know it kidnapped a sweet 13-year-old Japanese girl from a beach in her own country to enslave her as a language tutor for North Korea's spies. If this is not twisted enough, now North Korea's reckless pursuit of nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles threatens the entire world with unthinkable loss of human life. So I just want to point out- We haven't gotten to the best part yet, Will. Like, okay, so there's a phrase that is used a lot going on. Um, and this is a phrase that I think applies to Trump because there's a lot going on here. And I just want to point out, if you remember the episode that we talked about his speech in Youngstown, Ohio, where do you remember that? Where he talked about immigrants and about Mm -hmm. how like the sweet, beautiful, precious alabaster skinned. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you can see a a lot of that similar messaging here. Like there is something there is something going on with like. Like whenever Trump talks about like an underage girl, 
there is some weird shit happening in his brain. Yeah. And I feel like we need to like it like reference the fact that this is a guy who used to hold pageants for beauty pageants for teenage girls and would abruptly like burst into the changing room or the dressing room where they were getting changed for the pageant um and just so that he could get a peek basically at like all these underage girls in various states of undress and uh yeah I, it's 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 so unbelievably creepy whenever he talks about a young person. Like the fact that he said like a sweet Japanese like God, this guy's so creepy. It's, there's I just wanted to say there's a lot going on there. A lot going on. Yeah, let's let's get to the good part. Life. It is an outrage that some nations would not only trade with such a regime, but would arm, supply, and financially support a country that imperils the world with nuclear conflict. No nation on Earth has an interest in seeing this band of criminals arm itself with nuclear weapons and missiles. The United States has great strength and patience. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself. So, so Trump's a big Elton John fan. Um, now let's let's seriously talk about this now. Well, um, okay, like right speech... before the serious part, I just want to point out that like this is vintage Trump. This is this is Republican primary Trump. He's back on his bullshit. Yeah. He's back on his nickname game, and uh, I'm I'm all about this. This is uh, this is little Marco all over again. Rocket Man is not quite as good as little Marco, but it's okay. I mean, it's it's all right. I mean, he's not like he's not like back on his game completely, but um, he's better. He's getting he's getting back into the swing of things. As far as nicknames go, yeah, um, this this is definitely uh, vintage Trump. Um, it's also uh, just super terrifying, honestly. Um, this sort of rhetoric is just kind of really scary, right? To hear him talk like this, um, <clears throat> and this kind of. Uh, this escalation in language, this uh, this violent language towards North Korea. I like. I don't think either of us would disagree um, that North Korea is not a great place, and that um, you know, yeah. it's uh, they, they've done a number of bad things, and they're certainly a fascist dictatorship, and things aren't great over there. Um, but I think we would both agree that like bombing them and wiping them off the face of the map is not the solution. Well, um, yeah. I mean, this is this is where like the this is where we need we need to break some of this down because there is this perception that North Korea is this sort of incomparable regime that is so totalitarian uh, we have no concept of it. They basically live on another planet, and yeah, I mean, first off, like you said, I mean, it's it's worthwhile to acknowledge. Kim Jong-un is uh, a totally psychopathic dude um, and brutally represses his people. That's totally legitimate to say. And we yeah, should acknowledge definitely. But we should also acknowledge the fact that, like, per capita, we imprison more of our citizens than North Korea does. 
we should also acknowledge that like there's only one country that's ever used a nuclear weapon on a citizen population and that's us we should acknowledge the fact that like the north korea having nuclear weapons like we have basically over the you know ever since we have we we first had a nuclear weapon and used a nuclear weapon through our action and our inaction and our um explicit decree we have told the rest of the world that the only way the united states isn't going to fuck with you isn't going to influence your elections isn't going to um try to uh use the cia to institute a coup or depose your leadership or whatever is if you have nuclear weapons and this idea that north korea is a is a threat in the sense that at any point they could just launch a nuclear weapon is wildly unrealistic like this has never been a a a realistic existential threat i mean north korea is aware just like any other country that has nuclear weapons or has tried to procure them that using a nuclear weapon especially against a country that is either implicitly or explicitly allied with the united states would result in the complete destruction of that country and it is insane to think that they would do that i mean this is they they the reason they have nuclear weapons is to maintain some sense of sovereignty obviously we have a we have a serious problem in terms of human rights violations with what they've done with that sovereignty but the idea that we're going to have to take some kind of preeminent action is um an insane validation of war crimes because when he says like kim jong-un is on a suicide mission for himself that's bullshit bombing north korea isn't going to just kill kim jong-un right it's going to kill hundreds of thousands if not more of innocent civilians yeah um no i i think that's uh that's a good point i'm not i'm not uh incredibly familiar with uh with um, international politics in regards to um, nuclear weapons and arms, um, so I can't necessarily comment. But um, I, I don't think he's completely off base in that uh, North Korea isn't a great place. You know, as he makes a good point. They're not they're not great, and um, you know I think sanctions against them that, that's always a good thing. Um, I don't agree with uh, wiping them off the face of the map, though. And that's really, I mean, there's there's also just another layer of complete bullshit to this, right? We've seen how fawning Trump is over the the royal family in Saudi Arabia and the Saudi regime. I mean, this yeah, is good point. This Very is a long standing like American fiction that just as Americans we have a problem with totalitarianism, we have a problem with dictators, and it's bullshit all throughout. Uh, uh, Central and South America we've had no problem whatsoever with dictators who are friendly to the United States or US interests. We've had no problem in Chile for example deposing democratic regimes in favor of dictatorships that will be favorable to us. And when it comes to Saudi Arabia a regime that has that, that has you know propagated Wahhabism and radicalism across the the globe basically a regime that is brutally totalitarian and stifling to 
to women and to uh, religious and ethnic minorities that is that carries out beheadings, a regime that that has committed brutal human rights violations. We are in no conflict with them whatsoever because we have favorable trade relationships. We have favorable economic relationships with them. So, I mean, let's be real about this: that we can have a we can have a problem with North Korea and, or specifically with with the with the Kim regime and its totalitarian aspects. But at the same time, let's not pretend that this is something. This is some kind of principle that we hold, because if North Korea had some kind of like valuable natural resource that we were able to economically exploit. Um, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we're not having the conversation right now about North Korea or excuse me about, uh, about Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's a great take. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Trump manages to speak in front of the UN for, I think, about 45 minutes, which is uh, impressive for him, honestly. Um, the speech, uh, there are full text rundowns of it pretty much everywhere. Uh, the speech comes up, comes off a lot like many of his other speeches, um, akin to, you know, uh, like a seventh grader bragging on the playground, honestly. Um he, he starts off, talks about unemployment, he, he talks about infrastructure um, without providing any real facts or anything like that, uh, and then later talks about North Korea. Is there anything you want to kind of add um, about the, the UN speech? I, I think that it's, I think it's pretty much par for the course, honestly. Like, this is... Yeah, agreed. It's very similar to his other ones. Yeah, I just, I don't think this is, you know... I think Trump is so wildly easy to manipulate and has a brain that is so completely smooth that all it really takes is like somebody to go into the Oval Office. I mean, it's sort of like the thing with Syria where he remember when he came out with that speech and he talked about how he'd seen videos of like beautiful, innocent babies and the chemical weapons and things like all it takes is like somebody yeah. to go into his office and like appeal to this this very weird small part of him um that's like you know uh somebody's done something bad to a child and i think that's that's simply what what this is is like he has obviously even less understanding of geopolitics than the average american which you know no insult intended isn't great to begin with that's just that's a function of our media it's a function of our culture that we don't have an understanding of these things in a global context but no i mean this is just this is trump being insulting and threatening to someone that he perceives as having been insulting and threatening to him um for all trump cares and for all his his bluster um Kim Jong-un might as well be like a casting director that shit on him in the mid seventies because he's responding to them in exactly the same way. Just issuing these like broad based threats without any understanding of the context or the potential fallout of them. And yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's all the situation is. I'd also like to point out this, this speech is very like, except for the rocket man comment, which I actually, I, I still don't have a problem with. I think it's hilarious. Um, Aside from that comment, this is a standard Republican speech to the UN. This is not 
I mean, this is the, this is, I'm going to go to the UN, I'm going to talk about America, how it's a, a, a shining beacon to the world, how our love of freedom and diplomacy and democracy is the only thing that's keeping everything from descending into savagery. And I'm going to issue broad general threats to countries that uh, uh, operate outside of our decree. I mean, this is, this is a speech that could have been given by George W. Bush. So I, I think that it's... Like, it's funny to some extent because of the Rocket Man thing, um, but it's also not it's it's not something that we should look at as like some huge break from tradition. It's it's a pretty standard Republican thing. This was this the speech was written by a uh, by a think tank. Yeah, no, um, agreed very much with all those comments. I think the Rocket Man comment may have been off script, honestly. Um, I think so. I, guess I think so, too. I don't know. It could have been written in there, but it's it's just so obvious when Trump goes off script that the Rocket Man comment seemed very off script to me. Um, obviously, not not a hundred percent sure if it was, but uh, that's true. That's know, one of the best things just, about his speeches is you can always tell when he goes off script. When he yeah, like, you can always seem to pinpoint when it is. Like it, I mean, it's like in. Um, it's like in the like the climax of a movie or something where like the person rips up their index cards and they're like, I'm going to speak from the heart. But like you can see it in his eyes where he just like looks away from the teleprompter and he just starts repeating himself. Like, you can tell that just like he's made the call. We're going we're going off plan here, off script. This is yeah. going to be this. Daddy Trump's going to going to speak his mind for a second. And uh it's just it just sounds completely different from everything that came before, um, so yeah, I do think it was probably it was probably off script, um, which is great. So let's um let's let's do a quick thing here. I just wanna I just wanna highlight this story because we're gonna get to this Joe Scar or excuse me not Joe Scarborough we're gonna get to this Jimmy Kimmel thing, and uh, we're gonna formally induct Jimmy Kimmel into the the hashtag resistance. But uh, before right. we do that. I just wanted to highlight a story out of South Dakota uh, and get your reaction to this and the listener's reaction to it because um, you're all familiar with the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, hopefully, if you've been listening to the show, you're familiar with the bizarre conservative fascination with cars and the, uh, the, the weird, like, conservative idolatry of like a man in his car and like how that is like the the most sacred aspect of american life is like you will not impede a man in his car and uh nothing will stop a man from driving <laughs> down the road to uh to his work where he owns a uh a sea dealership so there's a uh there's a south dakota state representative well done who posted on Facebook. She's since ap- apologized, I will say. And the apology is solid, pure gold, 14 karat gold, and we'll get to that. But she posted a meme on Facebook with a, with a comment. Um, the meme, thankfully, is pretty easy to describe uh, over pure audio. We'll provide a link in the description if you're curious. And the meme is a black and white stick figure illustration of an SUV uh, driving over people stick figure people with um, uh, particularly a woman, a woman stick figure. You can tell because there's a dress uh, being hit by the SUV and, and thrown into the air by the force of the collision. And in red text, uh, Comic Sans, I might add, for you font aficionados out there. 
and what this says about whoever made this meme. It says, all lives splatter. Nobody cares about your protest. Keep your ass out of the road. So. God, just, it's so terrible. Like, I, especially given, like, the events um, in Charlottesville, like, how, how is she senseless enough to still post this, right? Well, I think that's the thing about this is, like, it's not senseless. You have to be a genuinely bad person. You have to be a genuinely yeah, so. bad human being to retweet this or post it or fav- whatever, you know, whatever Facebook calls it when you when you sh- or share, right? You have to be a genuinely bad human to share this. And you have to genuinely believe that if someone is protesting for some kind of, of increased level of dignity in their lives or awareness of the suffering or persecution that they experience that they deserve to be murdered if they happen to inconvenience your daily schedule. I mean, you have to be a legitimately bad human being to post this. And there's nothing that is, uh, there's nothing opaque about this. There's nothing that is interpretive about this. This is frankly, uh, the most on-the-nose meme I think I've ever seen from a conservative. It's very, very simple, very straightforward. All lives splatter. Um, specifically referencing the Black Lives Matter movement, specifically referencing people being run over, and specifically just weeks after Heather Heyer was murdered by a Nazi in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, in this exact same way. Um, and this is, you know... Take what you will from this. I think it's significant for a number of reasons. I mean, I think that the fact that this that this 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 thought process and this ideology exists on the right is indicative of a of a kind of insane resentment and hatred and disrespect for for human life and human dignity that is indicative of the right. But um, let me get your reaction to the apology um, because I, I think I'm not out of line yeah. in saying that she fucking nails it. Like, she just crushes this apology. So... Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, that would be... Um, that would be positive. But, yeah. But uh, something tells me you're being a little bit sarcastic. I'm not there, being sarcastic at all. Like, okay, so she saw the All Life Splatter thing. She, sh- she shared it. She commented on the meme and said, I think this is a movement we can all support. And then she hashtagged All Life Splatter. Um, so this the, the representative's name uh, is uh, Lynn DeSanto. Uh, she shared this on September 7th and for some reason, like a bunch of like butthurt libtards were like really offended by this. So she was forced to make an apology and in her apology, she said, um, I'm sorry if people took offense to it and perceived my message in any way, insinuating support or condoning people being hit by cars. So that's the first part of her apology. Um, you're, I mean, huh. okay, so like you're, you're an adult, you're in your mid twenties, you're married, you're familiar with the concept of an apology. Um, let's do like yeah, a, very much so. like one to 10 scale. Where does this apology rate? Like, how would you assign a score to this apology? I mean, you know, let's be honest. Will, uh, she said the word, I'm sorry. So we're going to have to give her at least a two uh, right. because she used those words. So it, it started uh, with, I am that, sorry. That's true. Yeah. So right out, right out the gate, I'm, you know, I'm feeling very good. 
Um, but then it, it just goes from an apology to, uh, to her just lying about what she said and what she did. I'm going to stick with a, a two. You think I'm a two? I'm going to give it a two out of ten. I think, I, I think a two. I mean, I think email us, uh, hello at inputswitch.com or mail at inputswitch.com, either one, and uh, let us know what you guys rate. Actually, go ahead and finish the apology, Will. Uh, maybe yeah, well, that's maybe the thing, this will is change like, my opinion. Because this could go from like a two upwards. So we've got so yeah, far, I, I'm sorry if people took offense to it and perceived. So like, first of all, the I'm sorry, right? But then it's conditional. If people took offense. Yeah. And the only reason someone would take offense is if they perceive my message in any way, insinuating support or condoning people being hit by cars. So the uh, the the apology, first of all, is like totally conditionally based on if you took this this meme that's a stick figure drawing of people being hit by cars as insinuating people should be hit by cars. But the second half of the apology, she really brings it home, and I think, uh, I think, I think, really, really uh, uh, dials in the apology here. She says, "I perceived it differently. I perceived it as encouraging people to stay out of the street." <laughs> So so now given like the second half of this apology like does this do you think this influences your rating at all or can I lower it am I allowed to lower it I'm going to give it a zero now um, I'm dropping it down yeah I I it started with I'm sorry but it, you know it was like it was like one of those apologies where like where like you're mad at like your friend for something and you're like I'm sorry you're such a dickhead and like it's clear like there was no intent to apologize the entire time. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, I just, let's drop it down. Yeah, it's, that's a terrible like, apology. I'm sorry if that due to like my upper body strength, you happen to get a black eye. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But no, it's just like the best part about it is just the hubris of saying like, I'm sharing this meme of people being hit by a car and me saying all lives splatter. Like, um, I perceived this as encouraging people to stay out of the street. Like, I'm not necessarily condoning people being run over. What I'm condoning is people respecting the laws of jaywalking. So, this is... This yeah, is, I mean, just... Oh, my God. This is great. This is, uh, again, this is uh, Representative Lynn DeSanto. If you happen to live in South Dakota and you happen to... Um, well, regardless of whether or not you happen to be in Lynn DeSanto's district, um, maybe maybe drop Lynn DeSanto a line. Hit her up on Facebook. She's actually very active on Facebook. She's a meme master. And uh, just give her your rating <laughs> of where you think this apology ranks and uh, how she might have made it better. And uh, just constructive criticism all around, folks. That's what we're about here at Input Switch is we're not trying to tear people down. We're not trying to attack people. Freedom of speech, First Amendment is king. But uh, just give her an idea of, of how you think this apology rates on uh, on that scale. Yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. No, that's just terrible. So, uh, what else you got for us, Will? Let's uh, let's talk about uh, about Jimmy Kimmel because we've talked about him before. Right. right. We've done a we did a story a couple weeks ago on. Jimmy Kimmel talking about the uh, American Health Care Act, right, with the AHCA that was coming out of the Senate. He did a monologue on his his nightly show. He talked about how his son was born with a with a genetic defect in his heart. That this defect required a series of expensive surgeries. 
surgeries that were he on the health care of a poor person would have, um, or excuse me, without the protections of the essential benefits of the Affordable Care Act, would have caused most people to reach their either annual cap of how much insurance will pay will cover, or their lifetime cap, which which also used to exist before the ACA. And this spurred him to to make a, a fairly compelling uh, argument about uh, why everyone needs to have access to health care, criticism of the Republicans for their AHCA. And, um, you know, we criticized on the show the fact that Jimmy Kimmel seemed to have a, a pretty bad understanding of politics because on the show he pointed out that everyone wants this and everyone cares about this and... You know, we criticized the fact that he seemed to not understand that uh, Republicans were not interested in everyone having health care. But that's going to come around a little bit, and we'll, we'll discuss that. But we've got some sound here of Jimmy Kimmel on, is it the Tonight Show? Uh, it's on the Jimmy Kimmel Show, Jimmy right? Kimmel Show, I guess show, that's right? what it's called. Okay, yeah, so we've got some got sound. His, he's got his whole thing. He's got his own thing going on. We've got some sound of Jimmy Kimmel here talking about the the new Graham Cassidy bill. The the brief brief background on this is that after Jimmy Kimmel made his his did his monologue about the Republicans, healthcare, and so on and so forth, Bill Cassidy came on his show. Yeah. And oh, dude, don't worry. Kimmel covers all this. Oh, he covers let's all this. Okay. Man, cool. Let's, cool. Let's play. Let's let the master say it. Yeah. Let's. But a few months ago, after my son had open heart surgery which was something I spoke about on the air. A politician, a senator named Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, was on my show, and he wasn't very honest. It seemed like he was being honest. He got a lot of credit and attention for coming off like a rare, reasonable voice in the Republican Party when it came to health care, for coming up with something he <laughs> I called. Love that jab. I didn't name it this. He named it this. He, the Jimmy Kimmel test, which was, in a nutshell, no family should be denied medical care, emergency or otherwise, because they can't afford it. He agreed to that. He said he would only support a health care bill that made sure a child like mine would get the health coverage he needs no matter how much money his parents make. And that did not uh, have uh, annual or lifetime caps. These insurance companies, they want caps to limit how much they can pay out. So, for instance, if your son has to have three open heart surgeries, it can... I want to pause for just a sec and just like point out like how woke Jimmy Kimmel is getting. Hell this yeah. This is on. Hell yeah. This is on like the Jimmy Kimmel Live Tonight show, and like it's a show where like you know he he used to make like dumb jokes, and now we're like we're like here we are like eleven o'clock on a weeknight talking about like lifetime insurance caps. I mean this is yeah. Well okay this so is crazy. Just just to clarify for them for me and for the listeners, um, it was Jimmy Fallon. Not Jimmy Kimmel, who did the the messing up Trump's hair thing, right? Yeah, yeah fuck Fallon that guy. Was one of, I think Fallon was the only one, right, who's had Trump on during the election, and uh, he took a lot of flack for that. Yeah, fuck uh, that Vichy shit. Understandably, shit. So, um, all right, let's let's get back to Kimmel. This is about a five minute clip, so it's going to be a little bit more to talk about here. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece. If he hits his lifetime cap of let's say a million dollars, the rest of his life. He's on his own. Now, our current plan protects Americans from these caps and prevents insurance providers from jacking up the rates for people who have pre-existing conditions uh, of all types. And Senator Cassidy said his plan would do that, too. He said all this on television many times. As you present that, 
Uh, I asked, does it pass the Jimmy Kimmel test? This is Cassidy. Would a child yeah. born with a congenital heart disease be able to get everything she or he would need in that first year of life? I wanted to pass the Jimmy Kimmel test. Okay, so last week, Bill Let's Cassidy and quick. Senator Lindsey, Lindsey Graham proposed a new bill to Graham. Just, just to remind everybody, Yeah. on your phone, your whatever, Google Bill Cassidy, do a Google image search. Bill Cassidy <laughs> looks like there are demons holding him by the scruff of his neck at all times. He has this constant... Yeah, like they're, like they're trying to escape through his eyes. Right. <laughs> he has this... And you might find this description somewhat similar to our description of Steve King um, on our last episode, but uh, Bill Cassidy has this constant fake smile rictus on his face because like, he wants people to think he's a real human person. Um, I don't know if anybody here has read the, uh, the comic, uh, preacher, uh, but there's like a, there's a thing early on in the comic where this guy has his like face cut off and like nailed back on. It is like, like one-to-one exactly Bill Cassidy and, uh, just this, this constant, like weird, bizarre, like stroke victim fake smile that he has on every program he appears on every time he appears publicly is, uh, a, a central component to understanding, Bill Cassidy and uh, what a really honestly genuinely represent uh, reprehensible human being Bill Cassidy is and uh, uh, understanding what he looks like is central to this 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 whole this whole saga <laughs> we're about to go on we're in the midst of so all right let's uh, let's get back to it Cassidy bill and this new bill actually does pass the Jimmy Kimmel test but um, uh, a different Jimmy Kimmel test with this one your child with a pre-existing condition will get the care he needs if and only if his father is Jimmy Kimmel. Otherwise, yeah. you might be screwed. Now, I don't know what happened <laughs> to Bill Cassidy, but when he was on this publicity tour, he listed his demands for a health care bill very clearly. These were his words. He said he wants coverage for all, no discrimination based on pre-existing conditions, lower premiums for middle-class families, and no lifetime caps. And guess what? The new bill does none of those things. Coverage for all? No. In fact, it'll kick about 30 million Ooh. Americans off insurance. Pre-existing conditions? Nope. If the bill passes, individual states can let insurance companies charge you more if you have a pre-existing condition. You'll find that little loophole later in the document mm -hmm. after it says they can. They can and they will. But will it lower premiums? Well, in fact, for lots of people, the bill will result in higher premiums. And as far as no lifetime caps go, the states can decide on that too, which means there will be lifetime caps in many states. So not only did Bill Cassidy fail the Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, let's break that Dude, down. Kimmel is so woke. Like this is this is the part of the Trump presidency I did not see coming at all. And it's like Jimmy Kimmel just getting just getting woke as hell. Honestly, on I didn't late either. Like TV. of all the of all the late night like of all the people, like Sam B is terrible. Um like the uh what's Trevor Noah is terrible. Jimmy Fallon's terrible. Like, I was not expecting Jimmy Kimmel to be, like, to, to provide any sort of functional value. And, I mean, let's be clear. Uh, obviously, you know, th th this is this is a podcast. We're both, you know, uh, leftists. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that Jimmy Kimmel doesn't share all of our politics. I'm sure that there's plenty of things that uh, we would disagree on. You know, when we're talking about Jimmy Kimmel being being good in these aspects, we're talking about the value that he provides to the struggle and to the cause, to 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 give people dignity in their lives and to to get us closer to a to a world where we have healthcare. Um, 
But this is, he's absolutely right. I mean, just, just to break down this one thing, you know, this is something where Bill Cassidy has, has, has so explicitly lied to his constituents and to the American people. This isn't a function of like Paul Ryan coming out and saying constantly, oh, we're going to give access, right? And then us knowing what that means. Bill Cassidy has explicitly said that he wa- he he will not support a bill that doesn't guarantee Americans access to health care, that doesn't guarantee every American, regardless of their income, health care. This is an explicit, outright, overt lie. Because what Jimmy Kimmel's referencing here when he talks about pre-existing conditions is that at the beginning of this bill, it does talk about everyone not, you know, not being able to be taken off their health coverage because of a pre-existing condition. But what he references specifically is that later on in the bill, it says that individual states will be able to apply for a waiver to any of these essential health benefits. So we're talking about something that's similar to the Affordable Care Act, but instead of these being nationwide mandates that insurance companies have to abide by, if Florida decides that they don't want this mandate of insurance companies being required to cover pre-existing conditions and required to not impose annual caps or lifetime caps, Florida, Rick Scott, could simply apply for a waiver to this provision. And this is this is why yeah. sort of they're able to do this lie and go on television and say, oh, we're covering pre-existing conditions. But at the same time, if any state decides they don't want to cover these things, they can just apply for a waiver. It's what, that's, that's what puts the lie to this, this bullshit. Yeah, no, and it, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy that, um, that these are the conversations we're having now on late night television. Uh, hats off to uh, Kimmel. He's got some more to say, though. Kimmel test, he failed the Bill Cassidy test. He failed his own test. And you don't see that happen very much. This bill he came up with is actually worse than the one that, thank God, Republicans like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and John McCain torpedoed over the summer. And I hope they have the courage and good sense to do that again with this one, because these other guys who claim they want Americans to have better health care, even though eight years ago they didn't want anyone to have health care at all, they're trying to sneak this scam of a bill they cooked up in without an analysis from the bipartisan Congressional Budget Office. They don't even want you to see so woke we're we're talking about like cbo and yeah. <laughs> like all kinds of stuff on late night tv sorry continue jimmy they're having one hearing the hearings uh, i read the hearings being held in the homeland security committee which has nothing to do with health care and the chairman agreed to allow two witnesses bill cassidy and lindsey graham to speak so listen health care is complicated it's boring i don't want to talk about it the details are confusing and that's what these guys are relying on. They're counting on you to be so overwhelmed with all the information, you just trust them to take care of you. But they're not taking care of you. They're taking care of the people who give them money, like insurance companies. And we're all just looking at our uh, Instagram accounts and liking things while they're voting on whether people can afford to keep their children alive or not. Most of the Congress people who vote on this bill probably won't even read it. And they want us to do the same thing. They want us to treat it like an iTunes service agreement. And this guy, <laughs> Bill Cassidy, just lied right to my face. Do you believe that every American, regardless of income, should be able to get regular checkups, maternity care, et cetera, all of those things that people who have health care get and need? Yep. So yep is Washington for nope, I guess. (laughs) Yep. And I never imagined I would get involved in something like this. This is not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is eating pizza, and that's really about it. But we can't let him do this to our children and our senior citizens and our veterans and or to any of us.
And by the way, before you post a nasty Facebook message saying I'm politicizing my son's health problems, I want you to know I am politicizing my son's health problems because I have to. But I want to talk about a couple things that he said. Yeah, um, absolutely. First off, I I love the messaging in this segment. Um, just calling, like we've talked about this. Uh, me and you have talked about this on phone calls before, um, and maybe on this podcast. I'm not sure, but just calling Republicans out for what they are with these healthcare bills, which they're people who are trying to strip healthcare away um, and kill babies. Right? They're baby killers. They're you know, they're grandparent killers, they're friend killers, they're whatever, you know, whoever whoever you have in your life who may not be able to afford health care. And I love his messaging here. Like, it's great. And then I, I love how unapologetic he is about politicizing um, the recent struggles he went through with his son. I mean, by, by all means, he should be. Um, it's yeah, I it's mean, spectacular. This that's... I really think the Democratic Party could take um, could take notes on some of the things he says here. Um, he he's very forward about a lot of what he says, and um, I mean that's and like, uh, you know is matter of fact, right? That's like the the point that Democrats don't get is like because they they fucking they back down and they cower in a corner. Anybody says, "Oh, you're politicizing this tragedy," hell yeah, we're politicizing it. Like when when you know when dozens of elementary school children are murdered. In a school shooting, of course we're going to politicize it. Of course, because we have an opportunity to do something about it. When, when you know, when we have a chance to uh, to use the spotlight, the national spotlight of a prominent media figure like Jimmy Kimmel, of course we're going to politicize it. Of course we're going to use it because we want to win. Because we want to make life better for the average American. Because we want to we want to let people live lives that are. Uh, that have dignity and let them be able to go to the doctor when they need to and let them not die of easily treatable and preventable illnesses because they don't have enough money to. Of course we're going to politicize it. Democrats should be proud of that fact, should be more than willing to use whatever tools are at their disposal to achieve the aims of the people that they represent. It's nonsense that we would back down from that point. Hell yeah, we're politicizing it. My family has health insurance. We don't have to worry about this, but other people do. So you can shove your disgusting comments where your doctor won't be giving you a prostate exam <laughs> once they take your health care benefits away. It's truly, it's unbelievable. Somehow Japan and England and Canada and Germany, France, they all figured health care out. And don't say they have terrible health care because it's just not true. This is a bad bill. But don't take my word for it. Here are just some of the organizations that oppose this Graham-Cassidy bill. The American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, American Lung Association, the Arthritis Foundation, Cystic Fibrosis, the ALS Association, the March of Dimes, Multiple Sclerosis Society, Children's Hospital of LA. Basically, any group you've ever given money to thinks this is a bad idea. Do you trust them or do you trust him? Okay? Photo. So of if Cassidy this bill there. isn't good enough for you, call your congressperson. That's the number. It will go to your congressperson, wherever he or she is, 202-224-3121. You have to do this. You can't just click like on this video. Tell them this bill doesn't pass your test. And Senator Cassie, you're on my show. You seem like you're a decent guy, but here's the thing. All right, so uh, I'm going to cut it off there. Shout out to, uh, to Kimmel for just, I love the call to action here at the end. I mean, that's, 
that's awesome, right? He he does a call to action. He tells people where they can call, what to say, yeah. um, encourages them to do it beyond just you know liking the video or sharing the video. This this was awesome. I thought this was a uh, a good spot for Kimmel. I thought it was a good look for Kimmel, um, and just generally cool. So Kimmel makes that that speech, and uh, basically a kind of back and forth begins to take place. Uh, Cassidy responds to Kimmel, uh, calling him uh, dumb, basically saying he doesn't understand the bill, uh, which is obviously completely false. Um, Kimmel responds again to uh, to Cassidy a number of times. Honestly, they they just kind of keep going back and forth, which is uh, always the argument of, like, of these you know, people. It's these sociopaths. They always have that argument of like, oh, you just don't understand it. It's just too complicated for you. And it's like, no, we get it. You're just a freak. Like you're just you just want to take away healthcare from poor people. It's not complicated. It's just it's just evil. Yeah, um, and then uh, so at one point, Will, we get to. Um, we get to this response from Kilmeade, who's a host on uh, Fox Fox News in the morning, it looks like. Fox and Friends. So, yeah, just and to set this up really quick Fox for you guys, um, Brian yeah. Kilmeade. Give me the setup here. So um, on this podcast, we officially take the position that Brian Kilmeade is without a doubt the dumbest person on Fox News. Um, that is a hard-fought position he has worked tirelessly to attain. Um, I would say that he is among probably the top three in terms of like dumbest Americans currently alive today, but he's without a doubt the stupidest person working at Fox. Um, we can go at, we on another show, we can go into like the debate over Steve Ducey or Brian Kilmeade because I have some arguments there, but Brian Kilmeade is without a doubt an incredibly stupid human. And he got a little upset after Jimmy Kimmel's monologue, the one we just listened to. And the next morning, Brian Kilmeade actually has a radio show in addition to his uh, his work on Fox and Friends, which is the morning show on Fox News. And on that morning show, he had some criticism. Uh, excuse me, not on his on, on Fox and Friends. He had some criticism for Jimmy Kimmel. This is Jimmy Kimmel responding to uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, uh, one of the three co-hosts of Fox and Friends, being upset not necessarily with Jimmy Kimmel's response, but simply the fact that he weighed in at all. But I also got some words that were not so nice, um, particularly from our friends at Fox and Friends. Sunday's politically charged Emmys may have been the lowest rate in history, but that's not stopping Hollywood elites like comedian uh, Jimmy Kimmel for pushing their <laughs> politics on the rest of the country. Watch. Uh-oh. Thanks, Brian. That was Brian Kilmeade. And the reason I, like, I found this comment to be particularly annoying is because this is a guy, Brian Kilmeade, who whenever I see him, kisses my ass like a little boy meeting Batman. <laughs> oh, I'm such a fan. I think he's been to the show. He follows me on Twitter. He asked me to write a blurb for his book, which I did. He calls my agent looking for projects. He's dying to be a member of the Hollywood elite. The only reason he's not a member of the Hollywood elite is because nobody will hire him to be one. And you know, the reason I'm talking about this is because my son had an open heart surgery and has to have two more. And because of that, I learned that there are kids with no insurance in the same situation. I don't get anything out of this, Brian, you phony little creep. Oh, I'll pound you when I see you. That is, that is my blurb. That will be wow. my blurb for yeah. your next book. This is, this is the best so, thing. You phony little creep. So Brian Kilmeade, 
Um, this is, I think this is the first time in the history of like Jimmy Kimmel being alive that he has been called elite of anything. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, Brian Kilmeade being upset that like, this is an amazing thing about the conservative right that like, if any person wants to come out and talk, like if they're, you know, whether it's Clint Eastwood or Toby Keith or some other moron wants to come out and say something conservative as an entertainer, um, they're going to get on every segment of every Fox News show and be, you know, broadcast to millions of people. But, uh, you know, it's just it's it's almost not even worth covering. It's so stupid. They don't they don't have a principle about entertainers being into politics. They have a principle about entertainers being liberal. So this is Brian Kilmeade being upset about this. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel just has like, this is just like the best shit I've ever heard. I love this. I love everything about his call out of Brian Kilmeade because it's so accurate. Because all these guys who work in right-wing talk radio or right-wing television, they're all failures of some kind. They, they desperately wanted to be in you know, Hollywood or they wanted to be producers or actors or they wanted to work in sports. You know, Brian mm-hmm. Kilmeade specifically has always wanted to work in sports. And they failed at that. And so their only avenue of like being in the entertainment industry is working for some deranged right-wing outlet like Fox News or The Blaze or Rebel Media. And his, his call-out is just, it's perfectly on the nose. This is exactly who these people are. Yeah, um, agreed. And it was, uh, it was, again, quite quite forward and uh, quite matter-of-fact. Uh, so Kilmeade then responds, right? We have a Kilmeade response. Uh, Kilmeade is a phony little creep. <laughs> okay, uh, that was a, a couple of things need to be clarified. Obviously, very emotional about it. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel... <laughs> Definitely like him. Don't really know him personally, <laughs> but I liked his show before it was popular. So when we were at American oh Idol doing those... Uh, I liked they, it before he was popular. Country, ...across the street at the Kodak Theater, I think, uh, we would go and do American Idol and do recaps with the winners and runners-up. And the next day across the street in Los Angeles, if you've ever been there, is Jimmy Kimmel's Theater. So we would call up and we would try to get... Uh, we would try to uh, do an interview behind the scenes, and I think for three years he did it. I also did Merv Griffin behind the scenes, did Fox Sports behind the scenes, because I try to make the most of my trips. So I thought he did a good job, even though we were struggling at first in the ratings. I said to myself, do they, do they stick with this show? It's as good as any of the other shows. And, of course, he was having a war with Leno at the time, and he's very funny. And behind the scenes, he was kind of cool. And plus, I, we both have a sports oh my of Fox God. Sports. So he was on the show a lot promoting Fox Sports because he was playing kind of the funny guy role uh, that they now have on that show on a regular basis on the pregame show. Now, in terms of, so I interviewed him three times, but not for the last eight years. He also went on, I didn't hear it here, but evidently he referred to his agent. I called his agent or something like that. So, yeah, <laughs> I knew his agent when I got out of college. Oh my God. So I thought to get to Jimmy Kimmel, so since awesome. I wasn't getting a response from ABC, I called his agent, and his agent said, sure, and set it up. And then after the last five, six years, we tried have not been able to get on. I imagine it's the nature of partisan politics. But for him to go out and attack me personally and try to get into my personality and wants to be a Hollywood uh, celebrity, I've never. I was out there for a while. I was doing sports. Came back here to, and after doing sports for 20 years, was been at Fox. Why would I ever leave the number one network in all of cable, not only news, and the number one morning show in the country? Through okay, so just just to be clear here, this is 
this is amazing. This is gold. But like he's doing the exact thing Kimmel said he was doing, which is just relentlessly kissing his ass. Like he keeps know, talking about how funny so good. and smart Jimmy Kimmel is and like how he's good at his job and he's successful. He's smart. He's funny. I like him. Like he's doing the exact thing where the, the, the next thing coming up is, is he's going to go into he's going to completely misunderstand uh, Kimmel's criticism of him when Kimmel, Kimmel calls him uh, a, a little creep um, and he's going to misunderstand that. And that's the best part of this. But for people who who can't see this clip because this is an audio show, um, Jimmy, uh, excuse me, Brian Kilmeade is standing up this entire time. Yeah, he's not even he's not even seated for no discernible reason. He is standing up and hunched over, speaking into the microphone, doing his radio show. This is not on Fox and Friends. Uh, I have no idea why. It's hilarious that he is though. So uh, let's let's hear the last uh, little bit of this segment. All right. All these consequential events to go out to in Los Angeles and do entertainment. I mean, what what point is that? No one will hire him. It's not even based in fact. So he didn't like that introduction to a segment. But I'm sure if he listened to the segment, he would have liked it. And if he did what I did is spend this time reading everything I can and then interviewing the people that made up the plan, that came up with a plan. And then I actually called Senator Lindsey Graham before he came on. Just to get clarification before I went on television and radio to say, what exactly are you doing? How is this different? Is the president aboard? What's the last thing the White House said? Have you tried to get Democrats involved? What about the states that aren't getting in much money? Where's the pushback amongst Republicans? And where is this thing the weakest? See, I went and did research, and I know you can be a comedian and say whatever you want because you're a comedian, but you're obviously extremely bright and that you're actually passionate about this issue. Why don't you call Cassidy and yell at him? And then maybe Cassidy will make it seem it will turn out to be worse than you thought, and you'll go say, I talked to him today worse than I thought. I'm not telling you to be a journalist. For him to go that crazy and attack me personally, so when I get the, up in the morning, all of a sudden, instead of just saying, Brian, kill me, that's his question, he's terrible at his job, you have to attack me personally. And I guess this little, you said, uh, this little man or something like that, I'm 5'10", 174. I'm sorry that's not good enough for you. Oh, my God. This but is I just think if you look at the average chart of a male in America, I think I'm pretty much on target. <laughs> So not sure why that was necessary. Not sure why you just roll a clip and put it through. Not sure why the the fact that I think you do a really good job of what you did and thought you were good before you were even as successful as you were is a bad thing. I think that's about it. And I don't kiss your butt. I think you're. Oh, my God. All right. I'm on target. (laughs) He's, you know, he's on average based on, uh, you know, census data, uh, medical records, Americans. Wow. Like, the fact, first of all, the fact that he doesn't understand that, like, little is, like, a pejorative, like, calling him a little creep, but he, like, needs to defend his size and, like, his weight and say that I've looked at, I've looked at the actuarial tables. I'm on target for my height. I am an appropriate weight. Stop bullying me. It's just, God, this is, this is the most amazing thing, like, He's so insecure about his height and his weight and all this stuff. And, like, he's so bothered by this clip. I, like, if for nothing else, like, this is why I am, I am this podcast officially input switch. We are, we are team Jimmy Kimmel because, like, 
anything that upsets Brian Kilme to this extent and makes him feel the need to defend his height and weight is without a doubt uh, the best thing. So couldn't be happier with that. Um, Brian Kilmeade, totally regular, very normal guy, normal size, uh, normal height and weight. Um, just, just couldn't be happier with this clip. So, um, yeah, I think that, um, I think that about does it for us today. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've covered a number of good stories here. We've had some laughs. Um, we do have a film recommendation folks there is we are going to be covering next week probably next week if not if not the the week after that we're going to be talking about a particular film on this podcast and um adam adam's going to take us in here for the recommendation but this is this is a movie you all need to watch because we are going to spend an episode discussing this and uh doing a little bit of a dive because it's it's a new film it's a film in theaters right now and it's by one of uh one of our favorite directors a director that we have watched for a long time who has a new film out so i'm going to let adam take it over here and uh, give this recommendation for a movie that you all need to go see this week so that uh, you'll know what we're talking about when we drop next week's episode reviewing it and analyzing it yeah so uh will had an opportunity this weekend to um well, last weekend, this week, it wasn't the weekend. It was actually just a couple days ago. I had an opportunity to make it to the theaters and see Darren Aronofsky's latest film, Mother, um, starring Jennifer Lawrence. And, uh, you know, I I would make it the recommendation of the week, but I, I'm, we're going to pass on doing a recommendation of the week and just do an entire episode about the film. Uh, I'm a huge Aronofsky fan. You're a huge Aronofsky fan. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors. I know he's one of your favorite directors. Uh, Mother is top notch, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna step out on the ledge here, Will, and I'm gonna say it's one of his greatest films he's ever made. I mean, this is amazing. Um, it's sure to be a film that really divides viewers. Um, I I think everyone is gonna come away from this either loving it or hating it. Uh, I saw it with my wife; she couldn't stand it. She hated it. Um, yeah, it's an I interesting recommendation I, I because, think, like, that's what I've seen from basically everybody is that it is it is such yeah. a wildly polarizing film, and I've seen people who, and you know, even the people, even when people that liked it, there seems to be such divergence among the different takes that people have gotten from this movie and like what it what it means and what the intention of it was and what they got from it. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I think you know, I think even fans of Aronofsky are going to are going to come up either loving or hating it. Uh, he's made such a wide variety of movies that, you know, you'll, you'll meet people who were really big fans of the wrestler and, um, and Requiem for, or not Requiem, uh, Black Swan. But then you'll also meet people who were big fans of pie and the fountain and Requiem for a dream. And just, and then like the the three people in the entire universe who like Noah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm a huge fan of mother. It's, it's honestly, Will, it's one of his most ambitious movies ever. And I think I think he lands it. Have you seen have you seen it once? It. You've seen it just once, right? I've just seen it once. Okay. I'm actually dying to go back and see it again, but I can't convince my wife to go with me. <laughs> so I'm actually considering going to see it just by myself uh, this weekend, sure. maybe again, because it's I'm not someone who usually sees movies more than once, uh, but it's one of those movies I've wanted to watch again since watching it. Um, I think, I think a critical viewer 
is going to have a lot of different takeaways. Um, when I say it's ambitious, I mean it's it's ambitious in every sense of the word. Well, um, especially because really, since he got this is like a major studio, right? Like this is yeah, this is not a this is not an indie film. This is he got the budget of like a major studio to promote and advertise this thing. So, um, and it's yep. it's seen a wide release too. Unlike some of his earlier films like Pi uh, or Requiem for a Dream that only yeah. made it to certain theaters. This is a big widely released blockbuster type budget that's been attached yep. to this film yeah so uh i think what me and will want to do will you're going to try to see it this weekend or yes. uh next next week and i think next uh the next episode we're going to do we are going to do uh hopefully an entire episode just about the film i so i would encourage all our listeners to uh to get out there and actually see it um it's a great movie i think you know anyone who who enjoys kind of critical viewing of movies um, is really going to enjoy this film and uh, you know, have a watch and then uh, have a listen next week when we do the, the podcast. And uh, if you don't get around to it before then, you know, download the podcast and save it for afterwards. Um, Cause uh, you know, we're going to try to provide some really critical insight uh, for those, for those who aren't joining us from our previous podcast, me and Will did a, a show on, a podcast on uh, the leftovers on HBO, and so talking about TV, talking about media, talking about that sort of thing is uh, is just right in vain for us. And uh, you know, that's our roots, it's, man. Um, that's our yeah, it's, that's our it's old kind of our shit. roots. So, so yeah, we're gonna get back to it next week. Uh, kind of a special episode of rap sh- of oh my gosh, you of almost did switch. it. <laughs> yeah, so I almost did it. Just you know, to so. um, just to recap, guys, this is you know we really want engagement with this show. If you're listening to this show. Tell your friends about it, but connect with us too. We're on social. We're on we're on Twitter at twittercom switch. We're on Facebook, same thing. Um, we have an email at mail at inputswitch.com where you can connect with us. Um, you know, this is going to be a lot more fun and a lot more you know interesting for us and for you. The more engagement we can get from our listeners, so. Please go watch the movie, but but also um, send in your thoughts to the show. We want to know what you think of it, and we want to know what you think of the show um, because you know we're not just this is not just uh, something we're interested in doing for ourselves. We want to make the show better and more entertaining by uh, engaging with the people who listen to it, and that means um, actually engaging with us, and it means more listeners. So um, as as a you know, as basically a startup by two people who don't have the the connections in media and industry that are commonplace for people who start podcasts, uh, we need your help to make the show a success, and that means sharing it with your friends and uh, connecting with us online. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and if this is a success, hopefully doing this in the future with other movies, TV shows, books, that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, we hope that you'll we hope that you'll connect with us and uh, and engage with us on uh, on the show. Yeah, so I think that wraps up this episode of Input Switch. Uh, follow us on Facebook www.facebook.com/inputswitch. Follow us on Twitter at InputSwitch. Shoot us an email, mail at InputSwitch.com. Leave us a review in iTunes. Hell yeah, we got a game uh, that system, boy. On- yeah, I mean, we read them on the show. So, uh, you know, if you want to become famous and uh, you want to become, you know, uh, Hell yeah. known amongst the podcasting community, you want to maybe show off your uh, 
your mad writing skills, yeah. then, you know, uh, a review on iTunes is, um, you know, probably the uh, the best way to go. We got to trick know, iTunes, you guys. Read. We got to trick them. That's the way you do it is with reviews. That's how you trick iTunes. So help us out there. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you get read. You uh, you get you get read on the show, and uh, that's you know, that's a big deal. So um, you know, can't beat that. Anyways, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Will? Yeah, that's input switch for this week, guys. Hashtag Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, hashtag uh, Brian Kilmeade is a little creep. Hashtag Yes Queen. Uh, hashtag input switch. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week, and uh, thanks for listening. 